Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for progressive agency owners and web professionals. Season three is focused on the growing number of agencies who are making the world a better place. We explore what this even means, why is it different from any other agency, and how can it be reconciled with the real-world challenges of running a profitable agency. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he speaks to leaders of agencies who are driven by their values to positively impact the world around them. Hello, and welcome back to Season 3. This episode is one of the most perfect examples of the power of agency specialization and aligning that specialization with a powerful personal set of values. Platypus Digital are a London-based agency that help great charities do great digital. And Matt, our guest this week, founded Platypus after working in the charity sector and then freelancing for charities. He describes perfectly the amazing benefits this brings for both his agency and his clients. And he also does us the honour of not hiding the challenges either. Do listen out to the energy in Matt's voice as he describes his vision for the future of Platypus. I found that incredibly inspiring. So let's meet Matt. My name is Matt Collins and I'm the Managing Director of Platypus Digital. We are a digital marketing agency dedicated to the charity sector. So we only work with charity clients and organizations doing some good in the world. Brilliant. So tell me a little bit about where Platypus came from. Is it something that happened just very quickly or did it grow out of something else or what were your motivations for, for ending up with Platypus? So I think there's, well, there's probably two answers to that. There's the kind of short and relatively simple answer. And then there's the, the slightly longer answer that delves a little bit further back. I think the the longer sort of truer answer is probably the most accurate one. So it probably goes back to when I was like 12 or something. And I remember I was sitting in the car with my dad talking about what sort of job I should do, you know, as 12 year olds sometimes are or want to do. They think about jobs that are hugely unrealistic and very, very far away. And so that's what I was doing. And my dad was like, well, you could do all sorts of things. But, you know, if you can, you should probably try to do a job that helps people in some way or another, you know, because there's lots of of things that need to be done that help people and there's lots of problems to be solved so it'd be good if you can do that kind of thing if it's at all possible and so that really stuck with me and then uh, there's a friend of mine at university who who said he would never work for like a a private company because it's all about you know enriching the shareholders and helping them buy bigger swimming pools and stuff like that so things like that really sort of stuck in my mind so I think they probably subconsciously led me into a career in the charity sector where I've worked basically my entire uh, professional career in lots of different roles in in charities like Childline when it was its own charity, St. John Ambulance, CSV, which is now called Volunteering Matters, just lots of different roles in fundraising, volunteering, that kind of thing. And then sort of digital started becoming a thing about, I mean, probably 10 years ago when uh, when Twitter and Facebook started getting kind of a bit more serious and teams and roles like that started sprouting up around the charity sector. And that, that's where my role started to focus. And I just got really interested and really into that. And quickly, realized that I wasn't going to be able to exercise as many of those skills as I really wanted to in the roles I was in. So I went freelance about 
god six years ago or something like that so it could use you know the skills i developed for lots of different organizations and platypus kind of grew out of that because i mean this this leads to the short answer as a freelancer i had more work to do than i had time to do it so i was able to bring in other freelancers and very quickly after that other employees to help me deliver these campaigns and trainings for uh, for the charity clients that we had and it grew from there and I always knew I wanted to build something you know something worthwhile something that was going to you know make a bit of an impact in the sector and really change the way charities use digital to reach new people and to to really have a positive impact in the world so I, th- I think that's the short answer and long answer combined really <laughs> brilliant and so what the last thing you said there is interesting when you said you wanted to build something do you think Mm. did you see that as a you know rather than work for a charity or work for a cause but you wanted to do you mean you wanted to create your own thing yeah i mean it was it was sort of a, a, a subtle feeling that i suppose lots of freelancers and people who founded their own companies probably have but they have this sort of nagging feeling that they have a they know the best way of doing things, you know, that, that, that they know best. Sometimes it's tempered by a slightly more realistic kind of feeling that they don't know absolutely everything, but, you know, they know a lot about the really important things. And if, if they could be in charge, then they could build something really awesome. So I think probably a lot of people who find companies have that because they just want to do things their own way. And they're, they're sick of bosses telling them to do things their way, really. You know, that classic thing, uh, if you work for someone else, then you're building their dream. And if you work for yourself, then kind of you're building your own. I suppose it's a little bit like that if you want to get kind of grand about it. But I think it's just, it, yeah, it's just an element of, I, I wanted to, to kind of create something and kind of build, you know, a company, build something that's that's going to have that's gonna have an impact and brings together really great people and, and sort of does, does things the way, the way I think they should be done so that they, they so they can have the biggest impact really it's not just kind of a control freak thing although I'm sure it's, it's a bit of that but you know I, I think there's a certain way of organizing things and, and running a company so that it does have a, a really big impact mm. yeah and I want to talk a little bit about that in terms of or how you, you know tying the, how you organize the company and everything together but let's just go back a little bit to the story there so you you you, you worked in the charity sector for a while and you gained this experience of both of the sector and everything and then you started building up these digital skills and then you worked freelance and then you you said that you got to the point where you were just getting too much work is that something that you was that just kind of a, 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 a sort of a byproduct of the times you know charities becoming more aware that they needed to be doing this kind of, or approaching these kinds of things a bit more or was it was there something that you were doing that was finding all this work or where did all that work come from I suppose it's it's got to be a combination of of the fact that I, I just went to lots of events in the sector and and, and probably probably naturally have the personality that's that's suited to meeting people and like you know there's no problem going up to people and saying hello and and having a chat and and there's just so many really nice people in the charity sector that that became really easy to me like you would you'd go to an event you'd meet a couple of people you knew already you get then chatting to someone else you didn't know so well but they ended up being really nice too and so you stay in touch a bit and i suppose that's what people call networking but it's not a term i like at all because it really suggests that kind of what's that great film spinal tap where the guy from polymer records is sort of you know he's he's, he's pristine in his suit and he keeps going up to people saying hi i'm polymer records and it's really sort of uh, fake and he's just trying to get as many people to know his name as possible and stuff whereas i just sort of see it as chatting to nice people and kind of doing that repeatedly so i think lots of people knew that 
I had those skills and so they knew that they could approach me for those skills. But there's definitely an element that around that time that and to this day probably still that, that charities felt they, they could increase the reach and, and get their message out to new people using these channels and using these techniques and, and using digital approaches. So the interest in it was high. I personally was was out there at these events. So I guess my my name and my sort of personal brand, if you like, was was reasonably sort of well known. Probably a combination of those two things, I would say. But uh, that's that feeling that charities need to do this stuff better, and and if they did, they'd reach new audiences. That you know, that's that endures to this day. I'd say. Mm-hmm. And do you think that without that experience of working in the charity sector and kind of, um, you know, understanding, you know, little things like literally where the events are and who the people are to speak to and, and then the terminal, like with any specialization, once you learn, you know, what people, what the people, the problems people in that sector or area are experiencing, then it's easier to have those conversations. But do you think without that experience, you would have been able to do what you've done now and, and build Platypus? It's a good question, actually, because there's lots of agencies that get a lot of work from the charity sector who might have sort of a 50-50 split between corporates and charity clients. And, you know, they don't come from charity backgrounds at all. So it's it's definitely not the case that you can't get that work without that understanding of charities. But I think it really helps, you know, and I think like most industries, the charity sector thinks it's special and, you know, that it does things in a very particular way. And I think possibly more than other industries, there's a lot to that. Because if you are, you know, if you're a commercial company, let's say you're a travel agent, then your main objective, the thing you're trying to do is to get people to buy your holidays. That's that's what it comes down to. And you're trying to get people to buy the holidays for next year, holidays for this year, you know, get people to buy more holidays. If you're a charity, on the other hand, you've got a really wide range of stakeholders to consider and you're not trying to get just one group of people to do one thing or several groups of people to do one thing. You do want people to make a donation, which is like a commercial transaction, but with nothing in return a lot of the time, except a sort of, you know, feeling of um, satisfaction and so on. You want people to fundraise for you, which is to spend their time raising money rather than just giving you money and, and not spending their time. You've got kind of political stakeholders, you know, people you're trying to influence with your campaign and policy messages. You've got the general public who you're trying to help with your information-based services, you know, particularly for health charities who want to change the you know the wider public's behavior and, and and attitudes towards particular health issues you know there's a really big range of stakeholders who want to do very different things and i think that understanding of the range of stakeholders and the different types of things that you want them to do is has got to be an advantage when you're talking to charities and just understanding some of the challenges that they have you know the the budgets are lower. Sometimes the the understanding isn't as high, although talking to some people who've worked in both companies and charities, they definitely dispute that. They, they think the understanding is low everywhere, really. And So I think getting where charities come from and really genuinely sharing their values, I, I think it's got to help, you know, I really do. Mm. I, I, that was what I was thinking when you were describing the networking, or despite the fact that the negative connotations of the word. For yeah. a lot of people, but when you're describing that 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 those situations where you're having those conversations, that one you have the background, so you're able to connect and use language and understand, and two you've got, as you said, a genuine shared value, and in addition to you personally having the confidence to do that, and I wanted to touch on the on that middle point, the genuinely sharing the values part, because not everyone has got the confidence or not everyone finds it as natural as you're describing that sort of just meeting people and talking to them and sort of, you know, exploring the, the possible things that can, you could work together on. 
But I always feel that that's much, uh, it's much more powerful and much easier. And it, when you do have that, you know, you're working towards, you feel like you're working towards something that is a joint shared value rather than, as you say, turning up in the suit and here's my card, please buy my thing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's it's a funny one for me because my role at Platypus is it's the first time well, I mean, arguably excluding the freelance side of things, it's the first time I haven't worked for a charity, really, in for any length of time in, in my whole career. So I, I feel like I'm part of the charity sector, even though I'm actually a company that has, provides services exclusively to the charity sector. So I feel like I'm very much part of it. And, you know, the people I'm closest to in the, in, in, in the industry, if you like, are all people who work for charities. You know, lots of my friends work for charities. It's just something I feel completely sort of a part of and, you know, have a knowledge of their frustrations and the things that they really believe in and, you know, that a better world is possible if you you want to go very grand about it. But, you know, if you don't want to go so grand about it, it's about just making small differences here and there in, in what you have to do and yeah, so the the shared values thing I think is is really important. Ultimately, you know, if you work in the charity sector and even to some extent for the charity sector, you need to accept that you're going to make less money than if you worked in the corporate sector. Broadly speaking, doing the same type of role for to get the same general types of outcomes, you're going to be paid a bit less and to do that then you know you have to believe in what you're doing because you know that if, if you only if you're only out for the money you know you're not going to get as much out of it not to say that there's not good salaries to be had here and there but they're definitely less than their corporate equivalents so i think having those i think having those values is is really important and and really being behind what they what they want to do mm. that was that's brilliant because that was going to be my next question is <laughs> is there a is there a challenge or how challenging it is to build a business like Platypus where you're focused on the charity sector, where, as you say, there's kind of, there's the, certainly the impression that the money, that budgets are smaller and everything that's, that's less. Is that difficult from the harsh commercial realities of building the agency, you know, and having employees and doing all of that? It's hard to know because I don't know any any other way, as it were. So I, I've not run an agency that has exclusively corporate clients. I would imagine that a lot of the challenges we all have, and this is definitely my experience talking to other agency owners, that the frustrations are pretty much the same, except potentially uh, – I mean, you could argue that if if corporate budgets are broadly higher than agencies who work just for corporate clients or have a bigger mix of corporate clients and in uh, the people they work for, they might find it easier to grow their agencies because those budgets are higher. And ultimately, you're never going to grow your agency if you don't have you know increasing budgets. And you know we've we've grown a lot in uh, the in the last few years, so I don't know if there are any concerns about that particularly. But I would imagine that if you have corporate clients or more corporate clients and and, and have access to those bigger budgets, you you could arguably find growth easier. But you know, like I said, talking to other agency owners, a lot of the frustrations and difficulties are really the same. But uh, you know, at, at the same time, it'd be nice to have access to those bigger budgets and to maybe experience some of those frustrations for a while. You know, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it depends on the client, of course. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And I was laughing there because I, I, I'm, I think everybody's got a little bit of grass is greener. You know, there's always there's always a bit of that. But the other thing that you were describing is, as you as you said, anybody who works in the charity sector is going to have to be at least partially driven by, you know, the values or the impact that they're, they're you're looking to have. So, can you tell me a little bit about? I, I don't know whether it's good to use a specific example or more general, but like the 
as with platypus, um, you know, now working rather than working in a charity, can you tell me a little bit about the kinds of impact that you, you and you, before you described about t- tying the companies, the way you run the company and the ethos of the company to that impact? Can you tell me a little bit about how that comes out or if it's, if it, you know, how, how does it feel good? You know, is, how does it all work out for you now that you're actually doing it? So I guess we're working more and more with either fundraising teams or digital teams or even more commonly probably digital fundraising teams to to grow that kind of that part of their fundraising mix so that it's a bigger part of the bigger slice of the pie basically so digital fundraising is still in its relative infancy despite the kind of reputation it has with ice bucket challenge no makeup selfie for raising millions and millions with next to no effort which it definitely has done for you know a very small number of organizations but i think the impression is that that's how it works for everyone but everyone else actually has to put a lot of investment into it to try to make it sustainable so the types of projects that we're doing i guess to give one example would be Facebook fundraising campaigns and acquisition campaigns of fundraisers and of regular givers. So the types of the type of income that charities really want and need is that recurring income from a really a really large group of individuals. So that if you know a, a bunch of them kind of uh, drift off and leave the organisation, which eventually they do, it doesn't have a huge impact on on the mix. The way you know losing a particular corporate fundraising deal or having a local authority contract come to an end might have such an impact. So we do a lot of regular regular giver recruitment campaigns on on Facebook. So we would work with the charity to create a value exchange. So that's something that they can offer to people who've not heard of the charity who aren't cause or brand aware. I mean, they might be cause aware, i.e. they they know broadly what that charity is trying to do. So breast cancer charities might be a good example. They might know that breast cancer is bad. They might even have some a personal experience of it in their lives, but they don't know this particular breast cancer charity. And then we might work with a, a breast cancer charity then to offer something to those people. You know, it could be an information-based booklet. It could be, you know, a pin or something like that. Just some some specific thing they can offer for free to people who've not heard of their organization. And then when they've done that, they will call those people up and say, you know, hope you're enjoying the thing that that we gave you. Here's here's what we do. Is this something that you'd like to support kind of long term? So that'll be a really typical example of, of the type of campaign that, that we would do. And, you know, I think like a lot of work that happens, it's, you know, it's no different to to any other type of organization, how they work. We have meetings, we work in spreadsheets, we have emails, we have calls, you know, all that stuff is the same. And so we will see ROIs from that campaign. We'll see projected income and attrition rates and and all of that kind of general industry jargon. So what we really try and think of is, well, how much money did that raise for that charity and what kind of impact can that have over the longer term? And so I guess I'm most interested when we're raising real money and having a real impact on that charity. And I think my approach in that stems from the fact that us working in this, or so me me working in, in digital, or me working in charities predates the digital age, if you like, where the only two things that charities were trying to achieve were to promote their services, so change more lives and, and however they do that, and raise money to support that. So I'm very focused in trying to get those, one of those two outcomes or both of those outcomes in all the campaigns that we do, raise money or get their sort of life-saving services, that could be counseling services, health-based information, whatever they have, uh, to more people so that kind of more lives can be changed that way. So I'm, I'm really focused on those two outcomes, and I'm really trying to recruit people who will 
you know, support those two. It could be regular givers, could be fundraisers, whatever. But we're really focused on making a genuine difference to charities. And, and those are the ways that we try to do it. Mm, yeah. Do you find that the charities come to you with a, you know, hey, we, we've got this thing that needs, like you say, the, the value or the, the, or the thing that needs promoted? Or are you involved further back in the conversation to help them work out what that is and to define who they're trying to um, recruit, who they're targeting these things at? A bit of both, I would say. So sometimes charity client will say, we have this thing, we'd like to try and make something of it. And, and we try to build a campaign around that, using that as a, as a value exchange, something they can offer to people for free as a kind of introduction to the organization. And then others will say, you know, we have a, a particular budget and we're looking to recruit rec- recruit regular givers and then we'll work with them to to work out what that what that might look like and what they could use as a value exchange and and what they could use as an introduction to the organization so it really depends and it depends whether it's an existing client and the idea came up over a coffee that we would have as part of our general catch-ups it might be a charity that we don't know that knows we do this kind of thing that would just approach us cold and say, hey, you know, we've got budget for regular giver recruitment. Can can you help us with that? So it's real mix, to be honest. And that's probably the experience of other agency owners as well. You know, they've they've got business coming from existing clients. They've got business coming from past clients. They've got business coming from people who were past clients but have moved on to other organizations. And they've got cold approaches. So, yeah, probably the typical mix, to be honest with you. And the fact that we're working in the charity sector probably doesn't affect that too much mm, yeah um, although I do really like the I read so much and I speak to agency owners and in my own agency the the power of having that clearly defined message of what the agency is and the, and, the, and what you've just described this is where our strength is this is who we work with this is the impact we can have for you is really powerful and as you said almost it whether that's charity because that's something you personally feel passionate about or whether that's something else like that that clarity of mission for the agency is really powerful Mm. to my mind i think that's even just multiplied by the fact that it's connected to your personal values yeah i think so you know and and it's weird how internalized that can become i did a, a piece of work was it last year where I was trying to get a handle on what people really valued about working with us and what they thought we really brought to the table that other people couldn't. You know, I was really trying to find out why why people, you know, decided to work with us instead of others so that we could do more of that really. And so I reached out to a bunch of past clients and current clients and just asked them and just said, you know, why why us? You know, what is it you value about us? Thinking maybe it would be, you know, we're we're really friendly and easy to work with, which I, you know, make sure we we are. Or was it that our skills in this very particular area of digital marketing were were really good? Is it that, you know, others don't really do what we do? You know, I was thinking it might be one of these things or just something completely new and different. And I'd be blown away by the results and I'd magnify that area of the business like like wildfire. And, you know, 95% of them came back and said some of those things here and there. But really, they said it's because you specialize in working with charities. And that's that's something that's so internalized to me now that I don't even think it's a thing, or certainly didn't at that point. I was thinking, well, obviously we work with charities. That's that's just what we do. It's like it's like saying we like working with you because you use computers to do your work. <laughs> like, well, everyone does that, don't they? So it's yeah, that's not a specialism. But actually, it turns out that just having that focus on, on one industry and really getting that industry and talking their language is really 
valuable and, and valued quality that we have. So it's something we're really trying to, to push because actually the, the types of digital marketing agencies that are out there, you know, they don't, they don't have that, you know, they don't have that charity specialism and, and they might have a charity experience, but I think they'd struggle to have the depth of charity experience that we can offer. And yeah, it's something I'm really proud of actually. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I, I agree. It looks, uh, you know, seeing the way you describe there and Platypus in the site, I think that is something very valuable, worth being proud of. Mm. Um, so tying that together back now, going back to your recruiting people and building the team, um, how did you go about finding and building the team? You said you first started working with other freelancers and then bringing on employees. How, did you find that process difficult? What were the challenges? What was easy about doing that? The easy part of starting to do it was that I was already in touch with a digital marketing freelancer called Fran Swain and sort of knew her a bit and chatted to her a bit. And I just started a couple of, or just one, if you like, a couple of campaigns that were, were going to be a month or two's work and needed to start within that time. Unfortunately, my first child was being born around the same time. So I was taking a few weeks off for paternity leave. And so I just couldn't deliver them. So I was like, Frank, can you help me deliver this stuff? So she very ably started those campaigns and got the ball rolling and, and made sure nothing dropped. And I knew then because she'd started it, that it would just be, it just makes sense to have her on retainer to help me deliver them. Um, so we did that. And I think probably eventually, and this must be a common story, eventually, I got over my fear that I wouldn't have enough money to pay her as an employee, got over that fear of the money running out and, you know, having to let someone go and so that the money wasn't running out and that the campaigns were still coming and, and the work was still coming. And so I was able to offer a, a proper job, really. I mean, she remote working, but, you know, a, a proper job where we're working on these campaigns together. And then I realized that I was spending a lot of time trying to do things that weren't what I was really good at, which is, you know, meeting people and running proposals to, to get more work in and business development, basically. And so I, I wanted to hire someone who could help us, A, market the agency and B, do some of the stuff that on the campaigns that I didn't have time to do. And we just advertised for that really through our own networks. You know, we, we had an email list and we, I have a social media presence and stuff. And so we just advertised throughout, through, our, through our own networks and, I hired a guy called Will Cardi, who was just sort of part-time. He was doing other jobs and stuff at the time. He was doing relatively junior stuff for us. And that just went so well, to be honest. And Will really bought into our organizational values of like really wanting to progress and learn as much as possible in the fastest period possible and generally being really easy and great to work with. And he's now our full-time search marketing manager and because he's just got such a depth of skill with Google AdWords. He's recruited a team around him. So I think it was easy because it started off with people I knew, which is, again, got to be a common story for agency owners. Recruiting Will wasn't too difficult, but I'm really conscious as we grow, we have to have a well, I had to use the, the term, but it is accurate, a pipeline of talent coming through. So that we're well known in the sector that people, some people maybe in charities already or not in charities already want to work for us because they see what we do and we're, they see that we're a good organization to work for. So that when we do advertise a vacancy, as, as we've got one open at the moment, that they do want to apply and they do want to work for us. And, and we don't have just nobody applying for jobs, which we've had in the past. So yeah, I'd say it's, it's as easy and difficult as it is 
is for everyone else. And talking to owners, owners of much bigger agencies, recruitment is a constant headache from what I'm told. You know, you need to have people coming through. You need to have people aware of you and you need to have lots of different things in place for people to want to work for you. So I'm quite conscious of that. And I try and meet people who I think one day might work for us, even if it's years and years down the line. I'm conscious of trying to be quite... Um, open about what I think is great about working here, about you know things like flexible working that we offer, the types of values that we can offer, you know how you'll learn more in six months here than you did in three years in your previous job, things like that really uh, that I think people really value. So it's a stream of work that is quite important to to my role really because without it, you know we're sunk. You know the the more demand for our services grows, the more supply has to increase as well, and and that's that's delivered by the people who work here. Yeah, that's a really good summary of, uh, of, of, as you say, there's lots of elements in that are similar, <laughs> I can hear in my story, in, um, and also a lot of the people I've spoken to in the, uh, had the pleasure of speaking to in this podcast. And that maybe segues nicely into what's the future of Platypus? Where's the, what, do you have a vision for where you'd like to go with the agency? Is it, or is it sort of more organic? There's definitely an element of which uh, that's, that's organic because you know, again and again, I think the best laid plans just, you know, they just kind of can lay very quickly. And there's the the old boxing adage, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> so I think, so that doesn't mean I'm averse to making plans because I think that, again, another old adage that plans are useless, but planning is invaluable. I kind of believe that to a large extent. I, I have a framework for how I want us to grow and how I want us to get better so as well as getting bigger i want us to be better at what we do and we have processes in place that makes that ensure every campaign we deliver is a step above the previous ones so that we have that kind of constant improvement and i think those are the bedrocks for kind of natural growth to some extent so the future for me really is is growth because i want to keep on building what we've got i think we can have an even bigger impact on on the charities that we work with and the people that they're trying to reach. I, you know, from the conversations that I have with people and from what I see, I think there's so much more we can do and so many more people we can reach and ways we can inspire them to take action for those charities through through that best practice in digital marketing, really. So through better conversion rate optimization so that more people want to donate when they get to a donate page, through more inspiring messages that people can see when they're on Facebook or when they're doing searches on Google, things that really resonate with them and give them a reason to click on the ads that they see and and complete the actions that the charities want them to complete. There's just so much more that can be done. And I think once every charity in the land, you know, the many hundreds of thousands that exist, have all those skills and they can do all that stuff for themselves and they're all smashing it, then until then, I think there's just more we can do. And... I think we'll have a bigger team to deliver that. We'll have we'll have an agency that can compete with some of the, the biggest hitters in in the land. Really, you know, much bigger agencies that have much bigger budgets to deliver their work and bigger teams to deliver it. You know, I think from a personal point of view, we can compete with them. And while you know our, our primary motivation is having that impact on the world, there is a little bit of personal satisfaction that we can punch above our weight and that we can build something we can be really proud of. We had a bit of feedback from a client last week and what it was like to work with us. And that's a really important part of what I try and get our team to do. So as well as doing the work themselves and 
delivering the work to really high quality. I want them to be really lovely to work with, really easy to work with, really responsive. You know, none of this kind of our agency just went, you know, uh, silent and there's total radio silence with them and they just we just lost touch with none of that here you know you you hear back from someone if you contact them usually the same day and so I was chatting to this client a really important client of ours and she said she had feedback from her team on what it was like to work with us and she said the main word that came up again and again and was probably the central theme of everything was delightful you know the team are great to work with they're really responsive they they're on top of things we feel like we don't have to worry we feel like we're a real you know you genuinely are an extension of the team which is something we said we wanted to be and you know, just hardly had a bad word to, to say about us. And the, in fact, the, the one thing we could improve, which is relatively minor, was what that meeting was actually about. You know, we were, and um, they said you could probably su- suggest even more ways that we could improve things. And that's one of the things we were doing in that meeting. So we're kind of already on top of it, really. And I think that's, I th- actually think that's really important as well. I want to have a positive impact. I want to build an agency to be proud of, but I want people to have worked with us and said they were really great to work with. You know, they're, they're really nice. They're really friendly, really on top of it because it just makes going to work that little bit more enjoyable, you know, makes it more fun, makes the campaigns you're working on more fun. And, you know, we, we want to make people's jobs easier as, as well as having that positive impact in the world. And it, and it looks like we're doing it. So I think if we can have that impact with every client that we work with, no matter what, which is which is a challenge when you're not based in the same building as them, to be honest, those those relationships are harder to build. But if we can keep doing that, then I think I think we'll be onto something good. Yeah, well, that's incredibly inspiring. I really like what you're saying, sort of, and like, and there's a real what's the word I'm looking for? A real synergy <laughs> across everything you're saying, like the impact for the client, working with the client, being a positive experience. And, you know, and, and, and delightful, it's brilliant. One question that comes from that for me is, as you're working and building your team, is there anything that you're doing with your team internally to vocalize that message about being delightful or to provide, you know, how do you help the team provide that kind of service? Uh, two ways, I suppose. One is putting the the processes in place to make sure that the, the, the physical things, if you like, to, to do that are in place. So things like I tell them, you know, if, if a client contacts you, you need to respond the same day or, or the latest the next. Those are just, just a, a fairly simple thing that you can do. I encourage them to be more talk and less type. So obviously emails are probably the main way that people still communicate with each other. In 2018, I I think that's a bit outdated myself, but I appreciate that we've still got the email clients, but I really encourage them just to pick up the phone and chat through things as much as possible. We have a fairly clear process in place for when to meet with clients, because I think looking people in the eyes is really great for relationships. So we know when that has to happen and the key points in a project or campaign that that should happen. So I guess some of the the proofs, I don't want to use the term account management because I really don't like calling charity clients in particular accounts, like they're just a bank account to be kind of drained. But I suppose that's what it is. You know, that's hard to be lovely to work with, really. There's, so we have processes in place to, to make that the case. The second thing, which is not something we can really influence so much, is just by recruiting really nice people who in the in the course of their job and then in, in, in their interactions with us and with clients, they can't help but be really nice because they just are really nice. And that's quite a subjective thing to 
assess really and we have to do it in interviews we just have to get an impression for the person we have to try to get to know them beforehand if we can all of that stuff so we will just recruit who we think are nice people and will be easy to work with and we'll help them be easy to work with through some some processes i suppose so so a combination of the process and the the person i suppose Brilliant, outstanding. So I've really enjoyed that. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. Otherwise, I'd like to keep talking. But I really appreciate uh, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that. Final question then for anybody listening who wants to find out a little bit more about yourself and about Platypus, where should they go? They should go to our website, which is platypus, as in the animal, platypusdigital.com. They can check us out on Twitter at platypusdigi, D-I-G-I. Or if they want to find out more, they can just drop me an email and uh, I'll be happy to have a chat with anyone. And I'm at matt at platypusdigital.com. Or, of course, you can just Google Platypus Digital, which is, you know, it's, that's the digital way of finding out these things, <laughs> uh, finding out anything. You just Google it and you see what you get and you, you can have a look at our, our website, our videos we've got a if people are uh, interested in building digital skills but you know they're from a small organization a charity or anything else we've got a free online training course called control r so if you google just control r platypus digital then you'll be able to sign up to a series of free webinars on seo facebook advertising google analytics and even more so that's a great way to experience us to be honest because that's all run by us and you'll see our branding there you'll see our training content which we're big on and um, you'll hear our voices and and hopefully you'll you'll learn a bit about how to do deploy digital for good as well outstanding and i'll put those links in as usual on the show notes on happyporchradio.com as well thank you again matt i really appreciate your time today thanks for having me You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com, where you can also find out how to send us questions, feedback, and get involved in the conversation about this series. If you enjoyed the show, please share with anyone else who might enjoy it too. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.